Hey, how, how about we take a couple of seconds just to let our soul remind our heart and our spirit that God gets all the glory and the credit and the affirmation and the affection of our heart. Come on, let's praise God for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. You've been faithful to us. No matter what we're facing, no matter, no matter where we find ourselves, our God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Good to see you in church. Can we welcome the Plaza location? Hey, everybody, we love you. Everybody online, glad you're tuning in, especially the men of Lansing Correctional Facility that are tuning in. We love you guys so much. So good to be with you today as well. You guys can grab your seat because we're going to jump right in. You might have experienced this already this morning when you came into church today. By the way, great decision. That moment where you could decide whether I want to praise and worship or not. You know, most of you, you take that first song as a warm-up song. It's like taking the first pitch in an at-bat. You're just kind of feeling out the moment. For some of you, you don't make it for the first song. There's mild judgment for you, but you're waiting for the coffee to kick in. Then there's just that decision you're going to make. Am I going to praise, and am I going to worship, and am I going to take a moment? And all the things you've been thinking about, all the worries and concerns that are going on in your world, begin to just kind of show up and cloud that moment. Has anybody but me ever faced that? I mean, let's be honest. Today you had a decision. Am I going to worship or not? And you felt a resistance. Now sometimes that is just being human. That is life, busyness, exhaustion, distraction. Your to-do list is long. And yet there's another kind of moment where you're trying to press in and maybe even in your Bible study time or in your daily devotion. Or, or just a, a moment where you know you should pray and you just feel like all the resistance is coming against you. It feels heavy in the atmosphere of your heart. There are times when you know if you made a God move, you would sense momentum, but everything that you feel in that moment stops you from praising or pressing in. I believe that not always, it's not always just a part of being exhausted. Sometimes there's a real tension and a real barrier. Sometimes there's even a spiritual attack against your praise, your worship, your persevering in the faith. Because I do believe when we worship and when we praise and when we honor God and when we pray about everything and worry about nothing, it creates spiritual momentum for our life, our faith, our, our families to move forward. And yet there's a very real enemy of us all that Jesus tells us does three things. He comes to kill, he comes to steal, and he comes to destroy. And then Jesus gives us good news to follow up maybe what could be fearful news. that He has come to give us life and life in its fullest. If you've ever tried to move forward in your faith, in your career, or in your marriage, or for your family, and it feels like in that moment of decision to trust God, all hell breaks loose in your life, that is a spiritual battle. You might be experiencing spiritual warfare. In a military battle, there's a, a terminology, a phenomenon called the fog of war. Doesn't matter how much you've trained, doesn't how much intel you have on the enemy, something changes when the bullets are real and the bombs are going off. There's even a term called shell shock, that when you hear a, a bomb go off, it just kind of freezes you in the moment. Some things just, you cannot be prepared for actually being in the fight. I feel like this fog, the fog of war, every one of us have been in 
the last couple of years. I feel like every bit of chaotic moment and uncertainty and all the fear and anxiety that's kind of ruled our news, and therefore it's infested our lives and our hearts, has caused us all to just be a little wandering around, maybe not knowing what we're supposed to do. In the boxing world, there's a terminology called punch drunk. It means you've taken a couple hits in a fight, and you might be upright, but you look inebriated. You're kind of just making it through. You're still in the fight, but you are not fighting back. And if I'm being very transparent today, through the last couple of years, I feel like especially this year, I've had a little fog in my life. I've felt like I've taken a few hits, and it's maybe even miraculous to still be standing, but I'm not swinging. Maybe in your life, the resistance has been real. Maybe your praise and your prayer life has kind of gone down to a bare minimum or a last-ditch effort. I'm telling you, it's because there's a spiritual battle at place, and God wants us to learn not just what the enemy does, but how we can overcome this enemy, overcome this adversity, to see his best in our life, in our marriages, in our family, in our faith, and in our future. So let me clear the air, because a fighter gets a a rest between rounds to kind of gather his wits and get back in the battle. We're gonna clear the ground for just a moment and clear the air. This is what we're gonna be about. As a church, we will boldly proclaim kingdom come. It's Jesus saves, and the lost and weary world needs the message that has changed your life. This is why you need to be in the fight, because there's a generation on the brink, and we have to go to battle spiritually, not against people, but against the problems in our world and fight. And the Bible tells us that we live from a place of victory. So when we fight, we're just taking new ground. We're gonna build people that bring heaven to earth. Your marriage might be barely hanging on. God's gonna strengthen it in Jesus' mighty power so you can experience the fulfillment that he has for you in your future. And I wanna speak today as we talk about spiritual warfare. Can we all handle that today? I mean, it's, holiday, it's Halloween weekend. All the ghosts and the ghouls are out. We might as well talk about the things of the spiritual realm. I'm gonna talk about if we fight, we win. And that's an if, because you could just go on existing as a believer and go on into eternity, and that's all uh, fine and great. But if we really wanna keep moving forward with spiritual momentum, we have to understand there is going to be resistance. So you can just make it through staggering around in the fog or you can get some clarity, some understanding and some opportunity to actually win the battle that you might be in right now that will produce spiritual momentum as you enter into the fray. We believe every fight that we fight starts from a place of prayer, inviting God's presence in. So would you join me, Plaza Online, everybody up north, let's truly pray. Let's ask God to speak to us. More than just the scriptures and getting understanding, let's ask for spiritual truth to be revealed in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Come on, Lord Jesus, we are in need of you. We don't want a cultural Christianity. We want a closeness and intimacy with Almighty God. So Jesus, we thank you. You've given us access to our Heavenly Father. He has given us a word that will not return void, that when we don't just know it, but we do it, produces God's best in our life. 
Father, for anyone in our church that might be facing a spiritual resistance or might feel like they're in a war, God, I thank you that we're in between rounds right now. They're gonna get back up, get into the battle, and they're gonna have victory in Jesus' name in their life. And Lord, we thank you. You're growing us and maturing us. You're building us as people that bring heaven to earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, I believe any time you, you endeavor to do something that grows your faith, grows your marriage, grows your family, steps into your calling or spiritual future, we'll call it a big word, your destiny, you're going to have resistance. You're going to have not just resistance of the busyness of life, but I actually believe there are spiritual battles that come against you. Anytime you take new ground, we're taking new ground as a church. You just heard about it, it's kingdom come. We have a south location, we have purchased, now we gotta build it out. We're, we're not just taking a little bit of ground, it's not just a pop-up church, we're owning a massive facility that we believe God's gonna do something absolutely incredible, absolutely divine, that reaches a whole other place in our metro, all for the glory of God, but it's a frontline place where we have to expect there will be a fight. God declares over Joshua and, and tells him that, hey, everywhere you put your foot, I'm gonna give you that land. Hey, you're gonna get the ground wherever you go. But he also tells him four times in the same paragraph, only be strong and courageous. Well, if he has a revelation that wherever he goes, God's gonna give it to him, then why is God constantly reminding him that he's gotta stay strong and courageous? It's because even though God has given him access granted to take new territory, it's gonna come with some tests, some trials, some battles, and some struggles. God doesn't just make everything easy, and my gosh, I wish he did. But for whatever reason, he wants us to actually have a resiliency in our faith and a strength that helps us overcome. He actually uses the resistance to grow us. That's why he says, be strong and courageous because there will be battles. When we praise and when we pray and when we glorify God, I think especially when we don't feel it in the face of resistance, it changes the atmosphere of our heart and our soul. And as a church is a pray first, praise first kind of church, it changes the atmosphere of our families and I believe the entire city. Something changes spiritually when we press into the resistance and praise even in the face of adversity. There is a spiritual battle to stop your praise and to stop your prayer, because the enemy cannot take away your salvation, but he would love to keep you in a struggle. He would love to keep you settling for less than destiny, calling, and purpose for your life, your marriage, and for your family. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, some of you can just kind of tune it out and go on with church as normal. If you remember the movie, The Matrix, which by the way, they made a new version of it. Uh, I tried to watch it on an airplane, it was so bad. I'm just saving you right now. I just watched the flight tracker instead. That was more enjoyable. But if you remember, he has an opportunity to kind of see things as they really are, to not live with the facade of the fake world that was created for them. He's got a red pill and he's got a blue pill. And if you take the red pill, you're gonna wake up 
to all the craziness that's going on that he never knew was actually there. But if you take the blue pill, you're gonna wake up in the morning and just go through business as normal. I wanna encourage you, when it comes to your real future in Christ, you will not get there without winning some spiritual battles. And so we gotta be the people that are willing to look at the word, not just for a moment of encouragement, but maybe even see the kind of climate of this world that we're in and what it takes to win spiritually so the eyes, as Jesus would say, of our understanding would be opened, our eyes would be aware, our ears would be ears that could actually hear what it takes to actually win in this war. Because what do we do in the front lines of this fight when we're actually going through a spiritual battle? The Bible has a whole lot to say. In the Old Testament, it was physical battles. In the New Testament, it's spiritual battles. And what was true 2,000 years ago for the early church up to this point today, it takes spiritual fighting to produce victory in your life. Ephesians chapter six, everybody ready? Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord, and not your own willpower, but his mighty power. How do we be strong in the Lord? He says you gotta put on the armor of God, which is invisible, but it is spiritual, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He is scheming to steal, kill, and destroy from you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your fight isn't against your father. It's not against your boss. I probably need to remind you this over and over again until that election Tuesday. Your fight is not against the government. It's not against your mother-in-law, although it feels like a war. It's not against your neighbor's dog that woke you up this morning. It might be against your neighbor's cat, but that's another story. No, it's against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Are we still all leaning in? Because for some of you, this feels like the twilight zone, but I guarantee you, you've sensed this in your life, whether you're aware of it or not. Some of you sensed it this morning. Just to get to church today was a spiritual battle. You had all sorts of emotions or depression or anxiety just to walk in the door. It's like gravity. Just because we cannot see it doesn't mean we cannot feel the effects it has on us. The same is with the spiritual realm. It affects us more than you're probably aware of. So Paul goes on to say, therefore, what do we do? We put on the full armor of God so that when, notice it doesn't say if, it says when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, you can still stands. There is a fight. There is a battle. There, there is a tension between the natural and the spiritual. Again, some of the problems in your life are natural, and yet we have to be aware of some of the problems in our life. The resistance in our life is actually spiritual. So as much we would like to just have more willpower that will work in our natural world, we need God's mighty power to work in our spiritual world. There is a fight, but as a Christian, you do not have to be a casualty. In 1 Peter chapter five, you hear verse six all the time from this pulpit. It says, humble yourself, therefore under God's mighty hand. How many are grateful for the hand of God over your life? God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up promotion season in due time. We love this verse too. 
cast all your cares or anxiety on him because he cares for you. But we don't always talk about verse eight. We want God's promotion. We want God's peace. We want the hand of God. We want the help of God. But verse eight says, stay alert. One translation paraphrases it, wake up. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How many are not feeling all that encouraged yet? I promise you, we're gonna get there. I'm just setting the table right now, showing you what this frontline battle would look like. It tries to steal your faith and your God momentum in your marriage, in your life, in your mission on earth. We have an enemy. Where did he come from? We could look deeper into that. You could do it yourself, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. But the Bible only mentions three angels by name. Two of them we like. Two out of three ain't bad. Gabriel and Michael, but then there's also a Lucifer. There's an enemy on the earth. Jesus says, I saw him fall like lightning. It is a very real enemy who wants you to believe just because he's, 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 he's invisible, he wants you to believe that he's fictional. And so yes, there are some believers out there that make every problem in their life like an attack of the devil. No, you just didn't pay your bill. That's why you have a late fee, right? That's not the weapons of the enemy's warfare. That's your poor time management and budgeting. But there are some things that happen out of nowhere. I believe it's anxiety. It's uh, maybe attack from a, a person you thought was close to you. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they seem like they're against you. Again, primarily when you're trying to step into new and take new ground, you face this resistance. Anytime there's strife and fighting in your marriage, it might be that you need to learn some new communication skills. That might help, but a lot of times, anytime there's that disunity, the enemy's there because he loves to disrupt the things that God wants to bless. So we need to be understanding that, yes, some things we need to change practically, but this is a spiritual endeavor. And the enemy wants you to think just because he's invisible that he's not, he's not real, that he's fictional. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, it says there was a war. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the enemy. He calls him the dragon in this. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But guess what it says? But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down. And he says, who's this great dragon? He's, a, he's a, an ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. And he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And so although they've lost their high place, and I love that it says that he was not strong enough. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have any strength or any tactic or can't make life messy and painful. He can, but he is not strong enough to defeat your God. And guess what? You belong to the one who is stronger. That's why we need that mighty power at work in our life. And so this evil is looking for a place to live and we've got to make sure we give him no place to settle in our life. Ephesians 4, it tells us that we're to give the enemy, give the enemy no place. Don't open up any door where the enemy could come and walk in. In verse 26, it says, if you're anger, in your anger, do not sin. It's okay to be angry, but we don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold, you would know that as if you've ever been climbing, or even just 
you know, at, at, at the playground. To climb up the monkey bars, you have to put one foot above the other. Wherever your foot has a secure place at one level, it gives you the strength to go up a level. And this is where you are. You are seated in Christ in heavenly places. You are not in the miry clay of your own sin, but you've been rescued by a Savior named Jesus and put on a solid rock of salvation. And yet the enemy is trying to climb up to your place of authority and pull you down to the lesser life that kills, steals, and destroys. So every time we give him a place to put his foot, he gets a little bit higher. And when we're supposed to have him down at the bottom and be living in the place of God's calling and best for our life, when we allow unresolved sin, we allow strife. A big one for church people is pride. That we always know what everyone else should do. We won't ever listen to correction. When we allow gossip, undealt with hurts and harms in our life, when we allow unforgiveness to fester, we give these little pockets and places for the enemy to get stronger in his assault on our life. So this is why we have to deal with these situations, old hurts, wounds, offenses, and, and, and the issues that we ha have with others. We gotta learn to forgive so we can push down the enemy and keep our place of victory. I do believe evil has a place. It's nailed to the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, and it does not need any more traction in your life because the enemy wants to terrorize you with fear, anxiety, and dread. So we give it no place. In 1 John chapter 4, John writes, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Who's the them? If you read the rest of the passage, it talks about the spirit of this world. It calls it the spirit of the Antichrist, the anti-Jesus. That, that it's trying to discredit, dishonor, and tear down Jesus. And it gives us this great promise that you need to anchor yourself to if you're in the midst of a spiritual battle. Because the one who is in you is greater than anything in this world. The one that's in you is greater than the spiritual battle or warfare that you might be in. So God is greater, but the struggle might be real. But because you have him, you already have the victory. I was reminded on a trip recently that the weather was really bad. I actually thought the flight was going to get canceled. And so I was sitting there on the tarmac, and we've been waiting and waiting, and they were waiting for the weather to clear. And I think the Flight attendants and the pilots were just about to time out and we would have to go back and get new, it was just frustrating. And everyone on the plane was losing their mind, angry that we hadn't taken off yet. Not me, because I'm so filled with the fruit of the spirit of peace and patience. But no, we were all mad, we were ready to go. Well, all of a sudden there was a break in the weather and the pilot said, okay, let's go. And as we took off, I think everyone in the next few moments wished we would have stayed on the ground. I mean, it was shaking and quaking and people were speaking in tongues, mostly French. Um, it was getting wild for a few moments. And all of a sudden, though, we pierced through the ceiling of the storm. And it went from, like, dread and despair and anxiety to, like, a sea of marshmallows. You know what I'm talking about? It was beautiful up there. The sun was shining, and it was serene. And many times in our life, we'll be living down at a low level. When we're in the midst of a storm or a battle, 
if we could just get a, a little bit more of an elevated place, we would see that there's peace up there, but right now I've got to fight. And some of you are always living at a low level of just responding to your emotions or responding to what someone else said or responding to the attacks or the crisis in your life and you're living down below. When God actually wants to elevate, you realize, no, 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 the one that's in you is greater than anything that's in this world. And he wants you to live in the elevated place. That's why we don't give any place to the enemy to pull us down to the lower level because that is not supposed to be our in Christ reality. We can go to a, a higher place because God is above, but he's also with you in the storm, but he wants to take you to that place, a breakthrough. And that's what our praise and our prayer does. That when you don't feel like giving God worship and when you don't feel like honoring him, you might be mad about something that didn't work out or be wondering why he didn't show up or you might just be exhausted and depleted in your race that you've been running for God. It's when you do it anyway, in the face of the resistance that God takes you up to the higher place. You get in that atmosphere where you can experience his breakthrough and his best. There's a resistance. There's a story, I won't go over it, but in the book of Daniel, where God already sent the answer to the prayer, already sent the solution. And yet there was a spiritual battle over Daniel's life. But even though he had already got the answer, God told him, hey, for 21 days, it's been intention. And Daniel prayed fervently for 21 days, and then it broke through. I know God's got all the power. I know that the enemy's defeated. Why God allows some things to be wrestled in the balance, I won't know until I go to the other side of eternity. But I do know this, when we pray, and when we praise, and when we worship, when we don't feel like it, we are wrestling with something spiritually where God's answer and provision is on the way. This is why the Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And if we only praise God when we felt like it, we wouldn't get very far. And some of you, that's the, that's the limit of your experience and God's best in your life is that you're just living to do things when you don't feel the tension of the resistance against you. Second Corinthians chapter 10, it says, for though we live in the world, we're part of this world. We do not wage war as the world does. So Paul assumes that you're fighting because we're all waging war. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. That Greek word, katherio, means to cast down with force every stronghold of the enemy. Where the enemy doesn't just have a foothold, he's got a stronghold. He doesn't just have a little bit of a voice in your life or fear in your life. No, he, he's got a place where he has set up shop. But Paul tells us that we actually have a divine power, that God's given us the ability that when we praise him, when we pray, and when we call on his name, and when we obey, when we don't feel like it, we're actually tearing down the areas that have been like a barrier or a resistance against the blessing and God's best in our life. I wanna encourage you, do not give your high ground because you have access granted to a greater power. I'd love for you to write this down if you're taking notes. You have the greatest weapon already and his name is Jesus. In fact, at that very name, the name of Jesus, there is power and potential to win spiritual battles. Names stir emotions, they remind us of things, sometimes even past failures or current fears. Like when we just saw on the connect cards this morning, 
someone has multiple people in their life that are battling cancer. When you hear that name cancer, some people go back to remember about a battle that someone lost with cancer, someone that they loved. For me and my family, like that, that's my mom right now. She's in battle. Mom, we love you. We're praying for victory in your life. But when you hear that, it emits an emotion and a little bit of fear. When you hear the word depression, uh, it, it, might, it might bring a little bit of emotion into your life. Um, you start feeling that, that resistance. But we have this name, the name of Jesus. The Bible says it's been given to us. We'll look at that passage in just a moment. In other words, we have this name that we can use in our life. And listen, it is not an abracadabra. It's not like a, 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 a magical spell. It's just a reminder to ourselves and even the spiritual realm around us that we're not just fighting with our own power, we have divine power. When you begin to proclaim the name of Jesus, the enemy begins to shake. There is a breakthrough in the atmosphere spiritually in the world around you. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy and I'm looking back at you like you're crazy to not proclaim the name of Jesus. You've been given the access code to all of heaven's help for all of eternity. The name of Jesus doesn't just elicit an emotion. It has a power to change the situation. Several years ago when my son was just young, I was holding him in my hand and I was, I was moving some stuff in and out of the car and I shut the door and as I turned, he reached out and stuck his hand right in the door, full force. And I was like, Okay, now my son's gonna give everybody a high three for the rest of his life. But I just remember I yelled out the name of Jesus. And it wasn't as a swear word. I was, uh, I was calling on help. Because I had nothing else that I could say in that moment. And I'll tell you, I, I'm not saying it was all a miracle. I'll just know that he didn't even have any swelling. He didn't have a broken bone. He, he didn't lose a digi. Like he, he was all there and over it. He cried for a moment and he was over it. Do I believe that God supernaturally saved that situation from being worse? I actually do. Because I've seen it time and again that we don't just battle like the world battles. It's not just flesh and blood. There's spiritual things at play here. And I want for you as your pastor, and if you're not a part of this church, even just as a preacher today, for you to not live down at the low level of the, your faith has been on for far too long but begin to bring down the heavenly help that we have access to because we have Christ, we have God's power in our life. Philippians 2, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Why did Jesus get exalted to the highest place? Because he went to the lowest place. It's always humility before honor. And Jesus went from the highest of heavens to the lowest of earth so that now he could be above it all. It gave him the name that is above every single name. It is above cancer in your life. It is above depression in your life. It's above anxiety in your life. It's above divorce in your life. It's above strife in your life. Fear and dread have to tremble in fear and dread when the name of Jesus is proclaimed. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When my kids are in a fight with each other, they're trying to get something that the other one has that they say belongs to them. And they come to me, the wise counsel of Solomon, to solve the situation. I normally make a decision. A lot of times I just tell them to get over it, but every once in a while I can see that this has been unfair, and I'm just going to say, okay, tell them I said this is how it goes. Well, they can keep whining and complaining and fighting, but as soon as they admit dad said, there's a new authority involved. 
There's an authority because guess what? I'm in charge. And until Graham's probably about 18, I can still take him for a while. I'm in charge. Because it's not about what was said, it's about who said it. Some of you have been living your life down to the realm of what everyone else has said. You need to start finding out what God has said about you. And when you're in a situation and you don't know your way forward, it is great to get help from a friend, a believer. You need to be in a connect group, have people speaking into your life. But there's just a difference between someone who means well what they said and the one that is good speaking over your life. And when you began to use, because I have access to all of God's mighty power because what Jesus has done for me, it just brings breakthrough in your life. The Old Testament, it gives us a revelation of the names of God, and one of them is Jehovah Nisi. It means the Lord our banner. That means as we walk into battle, the name above isn't the Turner name. It's not even Kingdom City. It's not your family name. It's not your track record of how good you've done it in your yesterday. It's the name of Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, which means the Lord our victory. That everywhere we walk when we're underneath that name is a place that he's given us the victory already. Now, we used to have an Alexa Amazon device in our kitchen. And it was like one of those little screens that would show you the weather, and that's about all it was good for. Um, I was tired of it because I felt like it was always spying on me. Anyone else get like that? I was talking about something next to me. I got ads for that same thing popping up in my phone anyways. But it was motion activated. When you walked by, the screen would come on. But it wouldn't actually work until you called it by its name. And some of you, you're not, you're, you're not getting the activity and the action of heaven in your life because you're not calling upon that name for it to, yeah, it invites its presence, but more than just his presence, it's always with you. You have his participation when you begin to ask for it. Romans 10, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, that's speaking of salvation, but I wonder what sort of things you could be saved from that you're fighting right now so hard to get in your own ability that if you just would activate the help of heaven, you would already have the victory. We have a weapon that is powerful. It's the name of Jesus. We have a weapon. I've already spoken of it, but you don't access often enough, and that's the power of your worship. That when you worship, things begin to change. Why is it it's the last thing you feel like when you're down in the dumps is to worship God? Because the enemy has lied to you to tell you it won't work, and he's trying to stop you from the truth that when we praise God and worship God, even and especially when we don't feel like it, the most momentum happens in our hearts and in our lives. And maybe the storm doesn't change out there, but it begins to dissipate on the inside world. And if you can't stand anymore, well, then go ahead and bow. But bow down and worship to God and watch and see a supernatural strength to keep going on the trajectory and the course that God established for your life. And you will go from strength to strength and from victory to victory when you learn how to praise, especially when it isn't something that you feel like doing in the moment. Because when the enemy can steal your prayer and your praise, he can steal your power. We also have a weapon. It's the word of God. The Bible says it's in Hebrews 4, it says, it's alive and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It can cut through all the nonsense and the noise in this world and show us not just what we should do, but how we can do it by God's grace. We need this in our life. It's not just for peace of mind. It's actually for kingdom promotion. Ephesians 6, the armor of God goes on to say, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. It stops the attack before it even gets inside. And then I love this. And 
the helmet of salvation that keeps your mind at peace that you're saved, you're secured in heaven. But then we have this one offensive weapon. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. They say in football, the best defense is a good offense. And I would say the same is true in kingdom endeavors. The best way to win your fight is not just to hold your ground. We know we can resist the devil, the Bible says, and pray, and he will flee. I know we're called to stand our ground, but we've been given this weapon of God's word for a reason. Because we don't just sit back and weather the storms in the fight, we get up and we start punching back. And I'm telling you this from my, my absolute my heart in this last season where I felt a little bit in the fog and a little bit punch drunk. I've woken up even this week and says, I'm taking the battle to the front lines. I'm not just going to try to hold my ground. We're going to bring more of heaven to earth like ever before. Because the best way to win the fight is to start punching back. What does that look like for you? Find a promise in God's word that you've given up believing on and believe again. Begin to proclaim in the name of Jesus that that would become a reality in your life. Yes, you might have some practical steps you need to make. And you might need to persevere for a season of time. But just get the battle back, not on the back foot, but on the front foot. Watch and see, if you start messing with the enemy, he'll quit messing with you because we'll put him in a defensive posture because the truth is we already have the victory of the cross. This is why there's that helmet of salvation, that your mind can be at peace even when your world is a mess because the enemy cannot take away the fact that your soul is forever saved. But from that place of protecting our head and our mind, we can step forward with our heart into the future and win more for God from a place of his mighty strength to change the world that is around us. One day in eternity, we know we already have the victory, but if we fight right here and right now, we can win more. There is more for your marriage. There is more for your career. There is more for your legacy, your lineage, your children. There is more. And if you will fight, you will win. I believe as we're taking new ground as a church, we can expect more resistance. This is why we've got to stay in unity. We've got to stay in prayer because we know that as we're stepping out to advance, the enemy will try to flood us with, a, with an onslaught of attack, but he who promised is faithful. If he's brought us this far, he's gonna see us all the way through. Yesterday, Graham um, uh, played in his fantasy, uh, fantasy football. That's what I play as a grown man. As a 40-year-old man, that's my sport. Um, no, I played in his flag football championship yesterday. And um, it's a third and fourth grade team league. And, all of our kids but two are in uh, third grade. We're a lot younger. Um, other teams are all bigger than us. Uh, but somehow, by the grace of God, and maybe some exec, you know, expertise assistant coaching, um, we were undefeated in the regular season. Uh, but barely won, like three or four games. Last second comeback, triple overtime win. Um, but we were there, and we made it to the championship game. The problem was the team we were playing, we played the first week and barely beat them. It's the last second touchdown we won. And they just gotten better. We watched the game before. The winner of that game, we play. And the other team was unbelievable. I mean, like 30-yard bombs down the field. And they ran up the score on the other team. So our guys are sitting there, and they're watching that, and they're watching that, and they're watching that. And I could just see the tension rise. And they want to win so bad, almost as bad as their redheaded coach. And they were getting so nervous. Well, the game starts, and, you know, humble brag, Graham scores the first touchdown, no big deal. Uh... But we're, we're only up, we're only up 14 to eight. 
in the last you know, five, six minutes. They have the ball. They're moving it down the field. And our guys are just chaotic. I could see the tension, the nerves. They're not doing what they knew to do, know, or trained to do, or, and, and coached to do. They're running all over the place. In fact, one kid, the other team's on offense, but he goes to try to snap the ball. He, like, he thinks we're on offense all of a sudden. And so what I did, I just I called a timeout. I just brought them all over, me and, and the head coach, and we just, we just said, hey, you guys have been here before. We have the lead. We're gonna win this game, because guess what? We've already beaten these guys before. And they went out, and the next three plays, we got the ball back. And in the final two minutes, we scored two more touchdowns. And so in the last minute of the game, we're already cheering. We're already celebrating. I'm like borderline crying, which shows me I'm just an emotional mess when it comes to my son and sports. God help me. But it was a beautiful moment where we already had the victory before time ran out. And it was not a come from behind win this time. We ran up the score. This is what I want for you. I want to hit pause on everything you're facing all your own action, all your own willpower, all your own energy, just to try to move forward against the resistance that is very real that you feel. Maybe for some of you, you're acknowledging the first time, this is a spiritual battle. I need to quit fighting naturally. I need to do my due diligence in the natural, but I need to first and foremost pray and worship my way into victory. You need to pause and say, okay, God, you've been with me yesterday and you're with me today. Why would you not be with me in my tomorrow? And this is what's gonna happen as a church. As we take this message to heart in our own individual life missions and collectively as a church living out the mission of Jesus here in Kansas City, we're gonna start worshiping, we're gonna start praying, we're gonna start praising, and we're gonna start posturing ourselves, not just barely getting by, but start advancing, start using the promises of God of offensive weapons to take back what the enemy has tried to steal from you for far too long. And we're not gonna just graduate into eternity having won but we're gonna win victory after victory here on the earth and we're gonna run up the score because there is a kingdom to build and a city to reach and lost people all around us and they're looking for some people that if they will fight, they will win and our city needs people to fight the good fight of faith to bring more victory to Kansas City, more salvation to our streets and more of heaven to the earth and the world around us. The best way the best way to fight is to surrender, not to the pressure you feel, but to the God to whom battle it belongs. Second Chronicles 20, the battle belongs to the Lord. And all you need to do is activate the access granted you have to all of the help of heaven by worshiping. I don't know if you got a kid that's on the brink. Let's worship. Let's praise. I don't know if you're dealing with deep, dark despair or hurt or heartache. Let's praise. Let's worship. I don't know if you don't know your way forward in your future or you're facing such financial difficulty or setbacks. Hey, there are practical things, but there are spiritual solutions to practical problems. Let's go ahead and find out before we get to the end of our life how much victory we can truly have in the here and now. So on the Plaza Up North, why don't you stand to your feet? I wanna pray for you. And then we're gonna praise and worship. And I want you not to praise and worship according to the way that you feel or be thinking about all the things that you're fighting through. I want you to take some real time to give God the glory Worship him for who he is, what he's done, and it will remind your heart and your soul that he is not finished with you yet. There is more victory in store for you because if you will just fight, you will win. The promises remain. God is faithful all the way through, and his power shows up 
even in our weakness. When we don't know what to do, he knows exactly what to do. Come on, if you want to join me in prayer, lift your hands to heaven. Let's really pray. Father God, I thank you for every heart, every family, every marriage, every life. They're here to meet with you. They need your help, and we don't have to cry out for it. We already have it in Christ. So we activate our greatest weapon, all access to God's grace and God's power through the name of Jesus. For those that need jobs, we're praying supernatural connections. For those that need healing, we pray supernatural restoration and health. For those that need restoration in their heart and their soul, we thank you peace is on its way. Breakthrough is on its way. For those wrestling with a, a relationship where there's been strife, we think there'll be unity and peace in that place. God, we're choosing today to fight with our worship and fight with our prayer and fight in the name of Jesus so that we can have overwhelming victory in every area of our lives. So we rebuke the enemy and he has to flee. We resist the enemy and he has to flee. And we claim revival in our hearts, in our faith, in our marriages, in our church, in our city, in this nation. God, we're going on the offensive. We're going on the attack. How much can you do through our lives? If we fight, we're gonna win. So let's worship him, church, with all that we got. Come on, give him your praise. Give him your worship. I mean it, like right now. Let's actually activate some. Give him your best hallelujah. Give him all the amens you got. Give him your worship. As we sing, sing as if your breakthrough is right there in front of you. And watch and see God bring momentum in your life. Amen. Come on, let's.